Welcome to Bitch Talk, booze interviews straight from the heart of San Francisco. I'm Erin. That's Ange. Hi. That's Char. Hello. You can find us at bitchtalkpodcast.com where you can sign up for our monthly e-news. For behind-the-scenes videos and two-minute clips of our interviews, head to our YouTube channel and subscribe. You can find us every other Thursday morning at 9.30 a.m. at bff.fm. And if you like what you hear, rate and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. For the love of God, do it. It really helps. We are doing our interviews for the 2022 Sundance Film Festival, our virtual version of Sundance this year. My name is John Wildman. I'm the editor-in-chief for FilmsGoneWild.com. Of course, with me from the Bitch Talk podcast, we have Aaron Lim and Angela Tabora. And um, our producer, uh, Charlene Gotto, is also hovering around making sure we do things correctly. And this time, we're going to be talking about the film Every Day in Kaimuki, feature film. And we have a team with us. So we have a little bit of a Brady Bunch situation. Uh, but with us, we have uh, director and co-screenwriter, uh, Alika Tengen. We have from the cast, Arena White. We have producer, Jesse Odio. And DP and producer, Chapin Hall. So welcome to the show, all four of you. And let's start off this way. Uh, Alika, why don't you introduce our audience to the film, uh, they haven't seen it as yet, so tell them what the film is about. Um, yeah, yeah, so the film is sort of inspired by a mutual friend of all of ours, uh, Naz Kawakami, who um, is a Hapa Hawaiian Japanese guy like myself, who, uh, you know, over the years we've, I've become friends with, and we had always talked about sort of doing a maybe a film together. And so when I found out he was moving, um, I talked to Chapin about seeing if, you know, we, we both thought it might be an interesting idea to maybe sort of make a documentary about his experience as he prepares to leave uh, Hawaii for the first time. Um, and when I approached Naz about it, he was down. And also uh, he's, a, he's a big cinephile like myself. So I think we equally like the idea of fictionalizing part of the film as well to make it just a little more interesting in that way. And um, yeah, that was the initial uh, impetus for the film. And that that's, I think that's still the core of, of kind of where it's at. Awesome. Well, I know, I know Aaron is, is itching to jump in with a question, but really quickly, because this is new information for me. Um, so are we talking, this is um, a documentary narrative hybrid situation where we've actually got documentary elements and we don't know what's real, what's not, what, what's, what's going on here? Um, that, that was, yes, that was definitely a lot of, uh, in the DNA of what we were trying to do. Um, we, we liked the idea of trying to obfuscate those lines as much as possible. Um, I mean, and, and while it is like really inspired by the person, it's also like very exaggerated and high, um, you know, edited for dramatic, dramatic effects. It's kind of like, uh, I've been talking about that Joaquin Phoenix movie, I'm Still Here, where it's like, Yes, that is Joaquin Phoenix, but he's playing a version of himself and you don't really know if it's fiction or reality. So that, that's kind of the deal. Got it. Well, you fooled me. Um, <laughs> well, actually, I'm glad that you, you, you're going a little deeper into it because when I was watching it, I'm like, it felt like a documentary, but it, then it felt like then the actors came in or maybe they're not, maybe they are friends or both. But um, part of this 
or a lot of this film is um, filmed during the pandemic. So for me, it brought up a lot of feelings of, and it's still kind of happening since we're still in the pandemic, people leaving and things changing. So can you talk about how that affected the script and the filmmaking? Yeah, I mean, certainly, um, you know, Chapin and I and Jesse, we all, and, you know, Rena, we all talked about wanting this to, to be a film that could maybe speak to the moment that we're in. And I think for all of us, it was an intense, uh, intensely introspective um, two years. And so I think that's one of the really, you know, compelling things about the film is our people sort of taking a step back and re-examining their surroundings um, and, and trying to make the best of it and figure out where they belong in all of it. And I think you bring that. up a very interesting thing um, about the pandemic and moving, which are two things that are happening in the film. Um, and of course, I don't think we've ever experienced a time like this when we are seeing our best friends and our family either moving away or moving closer towards us. Um, and we've never seen an exodus of this type. Um, and I, I think it equally begs the question of what is it worth staying for and what is it worth leaving for and evaluating all those things. So definitely a lot of those things we've been thinking about, um, not yet directly, but it's I, I love that you're bringing that up. Yeah, I mean, I would say like being, the islands are far from the continent. You know, uh, any move is significant and we know that, but I think that the pandemic uh, layered through adds this other layer for people who aren't sort of thinking about how geographically separate, you know, Hawaii is from the rest of the world. Like anywhere is really, really far and requires getting on a plane. And that's something, you know, uh, the character talks about in the film is that having to sort of like um, extricate himself from his whole life, right? And, and it, it's complicated to do, and a lot of us have, have done it. Um, Rena has just done it and moved to New York herself. Um, so, you know, I think it's something that we knew had stakes, but it is, they're not obvious. And so I, I really feel like the pandemic um, adds these stakes that like moving to New York isn't just moving to New York. Moving to New York during a pandemic is something. Um, I mean, can I ask, I mean, Rena just kind of did it. So I, I want to ask her, like, did all of this play into you know what you've been thinking over the year not the movie but just like the things that we're talking about yeah I think um just the pandemic in general I think two years kind of flew by and it gave me a huge panic attack when I thought about um how fast time is moving and how I'm not anywhere different or I'm in the same spot that I was two years ago so I think I made uh, the biggest change I could and went like halfway across the country and like <laughs> really up my life in like about two months and decided that I was going to move and you know, I'm wow, it's, it's art imitating life, imitating art. I don't know which, which is which, right. but somewhere between that. Yeah. Well, well, I really love, um, because as Americans that don't live in Hawaii, we really fetishize, is that the right word? The Hawaiian lifestyle. Um, but this film is really, you, you can tell this is being told from a native Hawaiian's perspective. Um, so I'd, I'd like to hear from all of you, how you directed the film, the locations you chose, the way you shot it, the way you acted it, how, how um, what aspect of being a native Hawaiian were you trying to tell from your own specific roles that we wouldn't expect having, having been from, not from Hawaii? 
Yeah. Um, so, you know, this, this film was a total collaboration between, well, all of us, but especially, you know, me and Naz co-writing the script together, but also beyond that, you know, the, the things and the way that we wanted to tell this story um, because he and I are of the same genetic makeup and I, you know, like him, I mean, I have suffused myself into his character in a lot of ways in the movie. I mean, his the conversation about not feeling Hawaiian enough, um, you know, that's both of us. That's especially like sort of a, a more white passing um, native Hawaiian like myself. So uh, I think that in general, um, I think that contributes to the character's sort of uh, rootlessness and um, feeling of not belonging in a place that he's supposed to feel like he belongs. So that was just kind of like built into everything that we did, but we also wanted it to, um, you know, we didn't want to be didactic about it. We didn't want to like give people a history lesson on, you know, the way that things are, were or are. Um, this is just how they are for one, uh, Hapa Hawaiian person's life. Um, it's a very vast and diverse experience <laughs> for all of us. Um, it's, a, it's a whole spectrum. So um, we just wanted to tell one, one small story about that in the best way that we could. Okay. I want to jump in here. We're going to go to Rena right now. Um, because again, you know, some of this is fictional, some of this is not. So, all right. So, so Rena, either you actually do or did have a relationship with Naz, or you're playing someone who did. And so therefore, um, what's going on? Like, you know, you know, one, if, if you did, so, so you're in a scene and, and Alika and Naz are saying, you say this and you go, I didn't say, I never said that. I'm not saying that now. Uh, or, or you're playing someone and then said, well, she kind of said that. She go, well, I don't care. I don't, I, that, that doesn't make sense to say. So, so what, what I want to, I want you to talk about how you were dealing with these two guys that are trying to orchestrate everything and 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 you're trying to face make your reality on the set. So Rena, tell us what happened. That's a fantastic uh, point. Um, yeah. So my character's fictional, completely fictional, and um, but I did get the opportunity to collaborate. So there were moments where I didn't agree with some things that Naz or Lika wrote and I would say hey I think you know this would make more sense or I think this reaction is more genuine if it were me dating Naz. Um, we did not date but if I had to imagine it I think this is how I would react and that's kind of how some scenes went but, but for the most part they did a pretty good job of um, I think staying true to, to the character and pretty genuine reactions and how I would react to. Okay. And, and let's talk about Naz really quick, and because we can talk about Naz, he's not here. He's not gonna know what you guys say. <laughs> so um, let, let, let's talk about a, a, a Naz and, and one directing him and, you know, and, and acting you know, opposite him, because he has a very specific energy. I mean, he, he, he's, like, he's like a Hawaiian Luke Wilson. I mean, he is like low key <laughs> motherfucker, right? So, so I, I would love for you guys to talk about Naz. <laughs> wow, uh, I, we've not heard that one before, and I love that comp. Uh, a producer friend who just watched it compared it to Inside Lewin Davis, and he has Oscar Isaac, so kind of love that as well. Um, I think we're, we're in the same um, ballpark there. Um, no, I mean, you know, kind of what to what to what I was saying earlier. The film is like, you know, Naz in real life is not as um, 
I think anxious or worrying or like uh, externalizing or saying, you know, all of the things that are on his mind. I think like all of us, you know, we all have a certain level of neuroses, but um, uh, uh, yeah. So we really wanted to like exaggerate those things because th there were, there were sort of, um, you know, expressions of some of the ways he was feeling, but not being able to say them in real life. So yeah. Uh, but I mean, in terms of like direction, he was pretty incredible. I, I mean, he, he had basically done a small cameo in one of my short films, um, Malchus and Mackay, which he was like really amazing in. And I just like threw him into the fire. Um, and I was really impressed by that. And just being around him and knowing him throughout the years, he has like a very, um, he's very comfortable in his skin. And I, that's kind of what made me feel like he could shoulder a feature film like he just is that way he's not he kind of yeah I just felt like it would like translate really well um on screen and so he was really pretty incredible to uh to direct and see like his performance and it is a performance like he's acting uh, in a lot of you know a lot of those scenes like he's doing something other than what he would normally do and um it was amazing to also sort of bring in his friend group is naturally bringing his like those are mainly his friends I would say like 80% of the people that he interacts with are his actual friends so um they were all really incredible and we really wanted to just feed off of and enhance the natural dynamics that were already happening there and especially when like Naz and Rena got together that really like I don't know I think for me and Chapin and Jesse we really uh, were marveling at their chemistry. It, it seemed really natural. So he said something the other day that, you know, he's particularly interested as a writer in uh, characters that aren't like, especially like lead characters or like protagonists who aren't necessarily just like all good or aren't all one thing or another, aren't these like really clean, you know, so he's very interested in these kind of three dimensional human beings. And so I think he brought a lot of that, especially to his own character throughout. And so I think even watching a lead go direct him it's like he he was really thinking about who this character should be and and i think he was thinking a lot about who like rena's character sloan the as, as the girlfriend character should be and he really didn't want to like throw her under the bus because it's very easy to not like that character maybe because or, or it could have been and i think he was very defensive of like all these characters having like their own worlds their own richness their own stories and and trying to make sure that they were complex yeah i feel like all of the characters i related to all of them in a specific way so um but i and anyway, i was reading the press notes and from my understanding the film's inception was november of 2020 right so within 14 months you wrote shot edited and now you're sitting here at Sundance I think you should all teach a course or something I don't understand in the heart of a pandemic like how did this happen so fast and I, I mean I don't understand <laughs> <laughs> um it, I think we're still trying to to catch our bearings a little bit uh it it it's it's hard to explain I don't know Chapin like how would you summarize the the experience from its inception I mean, to where yeah there was a lot of like momentum going into 2020 for us on on other things and so i think that the pandemic obviously starting in march really was like a a brick wall it was hitting a brick wall and so i think we had a lot of creative uh frustration for lack of a better term that was kind of like an energy that was behind a lot of like trying to do something 
And, um, you know, I, I think initially some of this started out of like a really long late night conversation about those frustrations that Alika and I were having and um, trying to figure out what we could do. And I don't think we knew it would be this or that it would be a feature film necessarily, but it was just like talking about like, what can we do? Um, because a lot of what we were trying to do got kind of stopped in its tracks and and the future of that was unclear at that time um and you know jesse and alika had spent a lot of 2020 rewriting another script together and you know so there was this all these other things and so it was interesting because the moment alika reached out to naz and was like i kind of want to do this thing naz had his own thoughts and his own creative frustrations and then it just kind of naturally spread out from there where we just kept calling people and being like, hey, would you show up and play this role for a day? And then like, you know, I think it was very unclear, um, you know, because they, they they sort of just like scrambled into script writing mode and were spending up I, late nights writing I, script. I think what fueled so much of the um, expediency of it was, there, you know, when I found out Naz was moving, he, he was kind of thinking like he would move in February or March. So that put like really a ticking clock on us to, you know, be able to do this. Um, so, that that like we we tapped into that energy and just started writing and, and and then filming and then like even before we were finished filming we tapped um our first editor jason saldez who like started cutting together scenes um before we flew to new york and when he started showing us because you know as much as good as we were feeling about what we were doing we weren't really sure if it was working but when we saw some of those early returns from our editor that's when chapin and i were like okay i think we really have something here and so you know we flew to new york finished the film and just edited it all year stayed on that because we just always kept talking about like this film feeling it like it had a certain energy that we just wanted to keep writing because you know momentum is everything i think in this industry and yeah crazy to be here still surreal but <laughs> Dude, like my team are like they're hustlers like they work non-stop <laughs> like jesse chapin and alika like they, i don't know if you follow them on social media or anything but they look like they're relaxed they're living life but they will not stop working <laughs> so they're actors as well okay <laughs> um i know we're gonna get ready to wrap but i have to ask the music question love the music throughout the film obviously it had to be great indie music or at least to me it's great indie music because of Nas's character and, and working at KTUH community radio so can maybe Jesse or Alika talk about that yeah well let me just say that this is a very beautiful rare opportunity where I would say that Alika managed to get 99.9 .9 of the original music that was in the original edit um, which is always hard because sometimes songs are not available for some reason or another. Um, so what you're seeing in the film really is Alika's original iteration and intention of every scene and the soundtrack to that. Um, and Alika can speak more on that, but there's some very wonderful local bands, um, bands that Alika knows personally. Um, and so it's even more natural to how organically those songs would be playing in those places yeah i mean also even the sort of lead supporting our actor kaden who's my oh. roommate um <laughs> sort of a little bit more uh, <laughs> um he composed like seven original songs for the movie as well 
Um, but yeah, like the 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 idea I think behind the soundtrack was, you know, Naz had these group of bands that he really loved, Goon Lagoon, Lino Boy, and Hapa Hunting, who also happened to be his friends. Um, so we wanted to use as much of that music as possible. And then in the edit, um, I was listening to like Nilifer Yanya, that the artist whose other songs we feature a lot. And I, I was just loving her, you know, whole album um, a lot of last year. And I really felt like it would fit really well and complement the other things we had going. And um, I thought the same for Taishi as well. So it's to, as Jesse said, I'm like, I still can't believe that we got all of the songs that we were hoping for. Um, and I'm just really excited to showcase, you know, this mix of local and, and national. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of it, too, is like what what is Nas like actually listen to and like and like trying to be authentic to that. Like and so it, it, to go back to the beginning of this where it's like, is it a documentary? Is it a narrative? It's like it's it's very much a narrative film. But in a lot of ways, you're still trying to serve that character that he created and the authentic taste that he has as a as a person who really like worked in radio and like has you know loves music and has taste in music and and um has opinions about music and movies and so like always trying to like keep that in mind and be authentic to that it's like a huge part of the like credo of the film in general i think arguably uh, the only thing more harrowing than working with uh children and animals for filmmakers is trying to get and be able to afford music rights so uh, so there you go but uh but, but but good all around on this thing again uh the film is every day in kamuki which is screening at the sundance film festival virtually for 2022 and we've been talking to uh director and co-screenwriter alika tengen uh cast member star rena white producer jesse odio and dp and producer chapin hall it's been wonderful talking about the film with, with all four of you thank you for being on the show wow. thank, you thank you for having us If you like what you hear, rate and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. For more information about us, you can head to bitchtalkpodcast.com. This podcast is created, hosted, and executive produced by Aaron Lim. My co-host is Angela Tabora, a.k.a. Captain Party. The show's edited by producer Shar. We're powered by GoTo Productions. This podcast is a proud member of the BFF.FM podcast network. Learn more at podcasts.bff.fm. BFF.FM, best frequencies forever.